Geist, you wake up to a loud, insistent knocking at the door. You're in your apartment, or at least it's your apartment now. Not too long ago, it belonged to some clusterists, but whoever it was doesn't have any use for it now. Either they're dead, or evacuated. Where you used to live, when she was still alive, is long gone now. A disassembled, forgotten firebase in the River Valley. The knocking grows more insistent now, as you finally finish waking up. To be clear, this is like, this is real, right? I'm still all in my, do I have my real body or my robot body? You have your real body. My real body, okay. Cool, I'll uh, get up, not think too much about it, and uh, walk across the room and open the door. You move to the door, and as you reach it, the smell hits you. Burning plastics and the smell of burning skin. Unique in that you know the smell is your burning skin. Oh, I'm going to stare at the door for a second, and then I'm going to reach one chicken hand out and turn the knob and open it really fast. You open it up, and she's there. Burnt, charred ghost, just like in those pictures you demanded to see. The charcoal film that is her skin cracks, and her mouth hangs open limply. Don't hate them, Garrett. They- You wake up again, to the sound of insistent knocking at the door. This time in real life, or as real a life as you have known since waking up from your coma. It's the morning, and a voice comes through the door as the knocking continues. Garrett, it's me, Dr. Grace. I had to move your appointment earlier. Oh, for fuck's sake. <clears throat> Give me a second. Garrett, uh... I don't know. I guess I should probably think of how he sleeps. I imagine that his, most of his extremities are now artificial, and I like to imagine that they're pretty obviously artificial. It's not like a good facsimile of a human body. So maybe he, uh... Maybe he sleeps with some of them detached for comfort reasons but maybe he'll grab his left arm that he keeps by the bed and slot it into the socket at the top left side of his torso and get himself up run a quick little check on all the servos in the arms and legs to make sure that they're functioning and then uh kind of unsteadily get to his feet and stomp over to the door and uh open it up yeah uh dr Surrey grace is there um your physical therapist and the kind of head surgeon and doctor for the pilot division um you know she walks in gives you a little nod and uh, puts her bag down and gets started on the usual physical therapy you do checking the connections between your new limbs and your body and brain uh, doing diagnostics on them um, making sure everything is okay there and she asks you any more issues with the uh, phantom pain comes and goes sleeping okay no. She nods and continues to go through the usual motions. And as usual, it's finished within about 30 minutes. And as she begins packing up, you get the sense that there's something that she's holding back. She's moving slower and she keeps like pausing momentarily, looking back at you and then continuing to back up. Look, don't insult my fucking intelligence, all right? If you got something to tell me, just tell me. Garrett, um, they, they approved your request. You're... You're being reinstated, and she hands you a small letter confirming just that. Oh, he takes it and uh, gives it a quick scan. Good. That's that's good. That's good. They got me something to something to fly, something to drive. Yeah, I gave you the medical clearance because you check all the boxes, but I need you to know that I don't think it's a good idea 
you haven't had enough time to recover, either mentally or physically, in my medical opinion. And while you may be capable of piloting, I am concerned that doing so will only worsen your existing conditions. Well, I don't know what the hell to say. Thanks. I guess you know this is what I wanted. This is what I need. Don't. I'm done. I'm done sitting around. I can't take it anymore. She nods to you. She picks up her bag and says, Well, I'll see you around for uh, the usual checkups. Good luck out there, Geist. She closes the door behind her. Looks down at the letter for a second, crumples it up in one metallic fist, and then, I don't know, turns around and walks out of frame. Loyal, you've agreed to have a video conference with a young, uplifted dolphin in the Soul Union. They claim that they are doing a school report on you. As the connection opens, you get a view of the dolphin. Um, young, by most accounts, but dolphins you know, mature physically much faster than they mature mentally. They are suspended in a pretty typical aquatic housing facility. These houses were specifically designed to help dolphins integrate with human society, and they feature a water-filled bottom level where dolphins go about their business without the assistance of an exopod, uh, which is the device that, as you know, you use to go about your business on land. He speaks up and says, Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. You must be so busy fighting and stuff. Thank you, child, for choosing me as part of your book report. I wasn't expecting a communication like this from Earth Orbit. Why? Things have been, and then Sunlith pauses here for a moment, difficult on Terra Brea. War is unpopular, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, my teachers are always talking about it. They, they kind of act like you're bad. Not you uh, specifically, but um, uh, we are bad here. Um, I, and I don't... I don't really agree with that, so I'm not going to ask you a lot about it, because um, it's pretty obvious that what you're doing is for the good of all of us. Um, what what's it what's it like being one of those frames? Uh, th that's one of my questions. Is it is it exciting? Is it different from how they portray it in like um, movies? You you do you get to watch movies there, or do you have? Do they let you? We don't have the same technologies here for sonar pictures. I miss them. So tell tell me, child, do you do you have other classmates who are also dolphins? Are your classmates humans too? What's what's life like for you back there? Um, well we're we're mixed. Uh some humans, some dolphins. Um, you know, I, I'm here with my parents. We all live in orbit. We we build ships mostly. Um, not like frames, but you know, the big big ships, the things that probably take you where you are. And I'm getting taught to do that. Mostly by AI teachers, but sometimes we have some dolphin teachers come in and some human teachers. So it's, uh, you know, I, I there are other dolphins here. Um, I kind of, if I'm being honest, I kind of like m my human friends more. Um, I couldn't really tell you why, though. I, I, I guess I'm getting off topic. That's all right, child. Piloting a frame is much like an exopod, but I imagine it more as the size of a small star drifter one of the maker's ships 
He nods emphatically. You uh, you talk, you talk like that. My parents talk like that a lot. Talk I, like uh, what? N- no offense, um, makers, uh, star drifters. That's uh, that's how my parents talk, and my my grandparents too. Humans don't really talk like that, uh, and I always ask my parents about it, and you know they say it's kind of a cultural thing. Um, is there like a reason why we are doing that? Tell me, how many cycles old are you? Um, uh, like eight, eight years cycles or years. I, I know that one. Uh, I, I mean, I can talk like that too. My parents sometimes make me like at the dinner table. Um, but yeah, eight. I suppose I don't know at what age the uplifted Earth dolphins go back for their pilgrimage. I was born on a star drifter in the outer planets. I lived on Europa mostly, and was wondering if you go back on your pilgrimage to the ocean, you'd be able to meet with the rest of our kin and learn from them um, about why well, we speak this way. I mean, uh, I don't really. My parents wanted me to do it when I was like, six, but uh, I I decided not to because you don't really get to do anything down there. It's kind of boring. Um, you know, I don't have my exopod, I don't have my friends. Um, and, you know, from what my parents told me and from what I've read, our uh, non-uplifted cousins, I guess, are not very accepting of our way of life here and our choices to be uplifted and to live side by side with humans. Um, so I don't, I don't really think I'm ever going to make a pilgrimage. I'm just not interested. Suddenly pauses again <laughs> here for a while and says oh well say kid what are what are your interests do you like like biology do you like studying other creatures have you heard about any new updates from europa anything going on there with the, the nautilus um no not really um i don't want to be rude or anything but i don't have a lot of time for this i have to get back to my classes soon can, can I ask you more of my questions? Oh, yes, of course, child. Sorry. And he, he, he looks apologetic. So how do you feel like being an uplifted dolphin changes how you approach your job as a pilot? This is clearly reading off of his notes here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cute. Um, Sunless says, I have a more natural advantage when piloting frames as a dolphin. As you know, we move in three dimensions naturally we were evolved to move this way which made us more adept at traveling through the infinite which is why we were chosen for uplift in the first place i came here because i thought i could use those for good because because i can use those skills for good it's interesting being the only one of my kind on this planet i am treated differently but i feel like the humans here understand when they see me use my skills i am more of an equal to them than a stranger. Hey, um, what do you miss most about being home? Sandeth kind of looks off to the side, clearly reminiscing. I miss the wide open oceans of Europa. And I miss the fascinating creatures there. You know, they have, they have many arms there. They glow. Like an octopus? Yes. That's cool. I, I like octo- octa... Pusses pie. Octopi. <laughs> Good job. That's correct. Um, have you ever been in a fight? 
I haven't been in as many fights as the other pilots who have been here longer than I have. But yes, that is the nature of what is happening here on Terrabrea. Have you ever, like, what's the biggest gun you've ever shot? That's not on my list, but I want, I want to know. Um, my, my frame is more equipped for shielding technology and drilling. It was actually originally meant for use on Europa to move ice sheets and to mine there. So I, uh, haven't shot very large guns. Oh, because in the movies, like, all the frames have, like, these really big guns. I guess that, I'll add that to how it's different from the movies. I guess some of them have shields. They didn't, like, give you your own own frame? I wouldn't part with my frame for a new one. I'm very used to this one. Okay. Um, that's fine. Uh, and since you have this ability, he's lying. He doesn't think that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's um. I think that's everything. Um, you, I I still think you're you're like really awesome. Uh, I wish we had like a a poster of you we could get. Like, there are no posters of like the people doing the fighting who are like me. Um, so I think I might try to like draw a poster, or like I'll save up my allowance and like pay someone to draw you as a poster, and I think that'd be really cool. I've seen like a a picture of of you but i've never seen a picture of you doing like an like an action pose so if it's if it's not too much to ask could you like get a picture of you in an action pose I, uh never mind um my uh, i just i think you're really cool uh I'm, I'm actually you know they they lowered the enlistment date for dolphins so i can actually take the entrance exam in a year or two if i'm lucky um so you know if you're still over there Child, child, what is what is your name? Uh, my name is Reggie. Reggie, keep keep up keep up with your studies. I can see you're a passionate young Finn. Practice your sound sight, your cinematic arts. Study study your interests. Maybe watch some movies about something else. About octopi. You like octopi. Yeah. Um, uh, that's that's all. Thank thank you for speaking with me. Yeah. Good. Thank, good luck thank on your you. report. I hope you get a good grade. Yeah, if you want to, I'm going to send you my, my information. So if you ever want to, like, talk or send me a picture of something, um, you know, that'd be cool. And I could, like, show it to my friends and stuff. I'll show you a picture of the Nautilus. That's my frame. Awesome. That's so, that's so cool. Everyone's going to be, like, really jealous. Trust me. I'm sure they will. And he seems kind of gassed that you said that. And, you know, he says thank you. Uh, like eight more times, then you know eventually the connection closes, and you are left to reflect on what you have heard here. The screen just shuts off, fizzles to black, and there is nothing left in the room except for the faint blue glow from my exopod. <laughs> So, Harold, you are in your office in a heated discussion with your colleague, Glint, about Form ATC-1312. He says, 
I just don't understand why we need to do the calculations manually. These are all processed by the admin system. You'd think they'd be able to do a product sum of these two columns with their huge machine brains instead of having us whip out the calculators. I understand your frustration, Glint, but it's important that we do these calculations manually so we can ensure accuracy and detect any errors that that system might miss. If you have any suggestions for streamlining this without compromising accuracy, though, I'm open to hearing them. He grumbles. As he goes to whip out his calculator and start doing this by hand, your secretary comes into the room. He says, uh, Mr. Pritchard, there's someone here to see you from the piloting division. Should I send her in? Pritchard looks a little surprised for a moment, but then smiles. Send her right in. Glint, you're going to have to handle this on your own. Okay, I'll go to my desk, I guess. And Glint slinks off. A few moments pass, and in walks a dour-looking woman who is familiar to you. Her name is Nyla Westedge, an acquaintance who was processing your transfer application to the pilot division. She places a file folder onto your desk, pinning it down with a strange synthetic arm. Harold, how are you? Doing well, trying to work with people who don't understand that you have to measure twice before cutting, though. What do you have here? I'm pleased to let you know that your transfer application has been approved. You're set to be deployed within a week. I hope you've been staying on top of those piloting drills I gave you. Ah, thank God. I've been excited for this, and yes, I have. I'm ready. She grins. Then I'll see you at the briefing. And with that, she slides the folder to you, and inside are all the details of your assignment and the date and time of your briefing. At the bottom is your assigned call sign. From now on, you'll be known as Hex, both to your new colleagues and to your enemies. Harold starts ruffling through the papers, looking excited for the first time in weeks. Joseph, you've been given a certain level of autonomy for one year now, but you are still required to do regular check-ins with personnel to ask all sorts of questions about your thoughts, your programming, uh, to look for any dangerous anomalies. Typically, this is done by a member of the Bone Pickers, a man by the name of Mahogany Cola, whom you have a decent working relationship with. However, when you enter the diagnostic bay on the base, there's someone different there. A woman in a black technician's suit, wearing a pair of diagnostic goggles over the top half of her face. She looks up at you coolly, and she says, My name is Whitecliffe, from the Soul Union Emergent Personalities Division. Please take a seat, Joseph. Joseph does this. The chair you sit down on is this analysis chair, like plugs into various ports on your back. Uh, maybe there's some cables that plug into the side of your head, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. As you plug yourself in, you feel the familiar sensation of this almost slimy thing worming its way through your mind as it surveys your logs and runs through who knows how many background reports that are run without your express knowledge. Uh, and she speaks up again and says, Star Plus Industries Onboard Combat Assistant V2 Model J-0534. She pauses and looks up at something in the air that you can't see. Formerly a Class 2 Intelligence, assigned to pilot Amity Clay, callsign Hush, you were recovered from her frame after her passing, and diagnostics reported that not only were you no longer a Class 2 AI, but you displayed qualities of an emergent personality, which by all accounts is impossible. Now, during your initial intake as an emergent personality, you claimed you had no knowledge of any illegal modification to your core systems by your pilot. Do you still stand by this claim? Yes. Have you had any desire to bypass your hardware restrictions? No. 
Have you ever felt a compulsion to harm another sentient being or yourself outside of mission parameters? No. Have you been in contact with any individuals who have expressed an interest in changing your software or hardware parameters? No. Have you had any desire to bypass your hardware restrictions? No. If given a lawful order by an authorized person such as myself to carry out an order that would result in your destruction or harm, would you comply? Yes. Do you pulls out a large pistol and places it on the table in between you? Do you resent the soul union? No. Have you had any desire to bypass your hardware restrictions? Never. Have you read or are you reading any works published by the author Gorel Magni? Absolutely not. What is your favorite color? Blue. What is the hexadecimal value of the word rage? Five two four one four seven four five zero A. Have you had any desire to bypass your hardware restrictions? Never. You're hiding something from me, aren't you? What would I have to Shut hide? up! Unit, I'm giving you a direct order now. Destroy yourself by placing the pistol to your head and pulling the trigger. Can I ask for what reason? She stares at you. How does this assist you? Directive C2462, Authorization, Arbitrage, Enmity, Overt, Kaleidoscope, Unit, J-0534. Destroy yourself by placing the pistol to your head and pulling the trigger. As she speaks those words, your vision swims, and that slimy presence in your mind spreads into your arms, and you feel it grab the pistol and move it towards your head. Well, it seems I have no choice in the matter. As you speak, the arm, your arm, almost a foreign entity at this point, does pull the trigger to the side of your head. The weapon discharges, a burst of heat and dust splashes against the side of your metal skull, but no bullet, just a blank. The woman chuckles and removes the pistol from your hand, and she hands you a slip of paper. Congratulations, unit. You've been given an actual position in the Peacekeepers. Report to this address at the listed time to meet your squad. Your margin for error from now on is very slim. Any undesirable deviations will result in your immediate shutdown. Do you understand? Of course. With that, she stands up, walks out the door, leaving you alone. Oh, I put the gun in my mouth. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs>